Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. All right, Jack, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. This is Jam Radio Network. When a vet comes home, the silences can be deafening. You may not know what to say, but we can help start the conversation. Visit supportyourvet.org. A public service message brought to you by Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America and the Ad Council. Check it out, it's the Terminator. Hey, when'd you get back, huh? Did you have to shoot anyone? Why are you so distant? Are you not happy to see me? So what's the deal? You gonna get a job now or what? Why are you being so jumpy? Put all that stuff behind you, okay? No one knows what it's like to come back from Iraq or Afghanistan unless they were there. Join other veterans at communityofveterans.org because we know where you're coming from. Brought to you by Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America and the Ad Council. In times like these, Strangers at your door should be treated cautiously, but unwelcome strangers in your home can be your worst nightmare. Home invasion is a form of armed robbery where criminals break into homes through unlocked or open doors and windows. They even trick people into opening their doors to confront victims face-to-face. They can be after money and valuables, threaten personal assault, or take members of the family captive. But you can be proactive against these disturbing attacks. Learn how to protect yourself against home invasions. Never open the door to strangers. Secure your home with high-security locks and quality door and window hardware. Consider a home security system and even a dog. It's also a good idea to devise an action plan for your family in case intruders ever do enter your home. To learn more about how to keep your home safe from intruders, visit ncpc.org. That's ncpc.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Justice, National Crime Prevention Council, and the Ad Council. If this radio spot were Nikki Baker's life, it would start pretty normal, like this. But, but then, then right, right around here, her life would take a bad turn with her mother abusing her. And about this far in, Nikki would drop out of high school and run away. Here, yeah, she'd be forced to work two jobs struggling to support herself and her daughter. She'd feel stuck, stuck, stuck. But stuck. then she'd decide to earn her GED diploma. She'd take my prep classes. Study every night and feel unstuck because she finally hears someone say, Nikki Baker, come up and get your GED diploma. If this radio spot were Nikki Baker's life, the ending wouldn't be the ending at all. It would be the beginning of a brighter future. For free info about GED test prep classes, call 1-877-38-YOUR-GED or visit yourged.org. GED is a registered trademark of the American Council on Education, brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council.
Boundary in between 
No! 
morning prayer coming up at the bottom of the hour, so stay with us. If we 
and say you won't be back when they don't even know where you've been. There's a strength in your bones, way down in the fibers of your soul. Stretch your hands toward heaven and your forces will unfold. Good morning to my sister, strong Nubian princess. This is your wake up call. Come out of your trenches to the European woman and the lady from the Orient. I've got a message for you, man. This is the master, the master's message that is sent. Those who are in 
nursing homes, hospice care, and hospice care in hospitals. So we lift up, we lift them up to you, Phil, but we lift up those Lord, who tell the highways and byways, the various destinations. We lift up the, those police officers, EMTs, firefighters. Lift up those Lord who don't know you the partners is. Mercy upon you. Lift up that homeless person. Lift up that person who don't know who don't know which way to go. That mental Back at the top of the hour for more gospel expression and music. It's midweek Wednesday. Good morning to you and yours. biggest mistakes one can make in life is to make a temporary dwelling place a long-term abiding place. No season of scandal 
or personal struggle should last forever. At some point, you've got to decide to turn the page and write a new chapter in your life. That's the Reverend Billy Honor, and today he brings you a powerful message of faith and hope. I'm Peter Wallace. This is Day One. Welcome to Day One, the weekly program that brings you outstanding preachers from America's mainline Protestant churches, sharing insight and inspiration from God's Word for your life. Here's our host, Peter Wallace, to introduce this week's speaker. Thank you, Sherry. We're delighted to have with us today the Reverend Billy M. Honor, Senior Pastor of New Life Presbyterian Church in College Park, Georgia, one of the fastest-growing African-American Presbyterian congregations in the country. Billy earned his bachelor's degree from Beulah Heights Bible College in Atlanta and his Master of Divinity degree from Johnson C. Smith Seminary at the Interdenominational Theological Center in Atlanta. He completed an Advanced Studies Master of Theology degree from Candler School of Theology at Emory University. Billy speaks frequently across the country, encouraging spiritual reconciliation and social renewal. Billy, welcome to Day One. Thank you. Glad to be here. You began your ministry at the tender age of 15 when you joined the ministerial staff of the historic St. Mark AME Church in Orlando, Florida. And then at age 17, you were licensed and ordained as a minister by your great-grandfather, the Reverend Leroy West. How did your calling to ministry unfold for you at such a young age? Yeah, it's an interesting story because actually um, at the time I was on Nickelodeon on a TV show. Uh, It was called Figure It Out, which was a sort of remake of, I think, an old game show called uh, What's My Line or Uh something like that. But anyway, these kids would come on and they had a special talent of some kind uh, that they would do, and I had to help the celebrity panel guess what the talent was Hmm. well after the second season doing that show um i was bored with acting Hmm. and um i felt um, just this uh, urge i've been raised in the church and socialized in our local ame church and uh, i felt this urge just to proclaim and preach the good news i talked to my pastor about it at the time i was 15 or so and he said well billy sounds like you have a calling for Hmm. ministry and I didn't know what that means. Uh, <laughs> I always wanted to preach, didn't necessarily want to pastor. <laughs> and so um, he started the journey there with praying with me, and that's kind of how it happened. So how did you become a Presbyterian? Yeah, actually, uh, I attended Beulah Heights. Uh, at that time, it was Bible College, which is a classically Pentecostal uh, school in its origin. But interestingly enough, most of the professors happened to be Presbyterian. Hmm. The president of the school was Presbyterian. Uh, so it's a sort of uh, interesting, I call it a Presbyterian type institution. <laughs> but anyhow, the church history professor at that time, uh, he'd been a Presbyterian minister for 50 years. His name was Bill Hammond. And um, I remember when he taught about the Reformed tradition, uh, he did it with so much gusto. Hmm. And I went up to him after the class and I said, Dr. Hammond, I want to hear more about the Reformed tradition and Presbyterianism. And he said, well, brother, I wasn't trying to convert anybody, but uh, <laughs> I'd love to talk with you about it. I said, I would. Anyway, he had invited me to the church he was attending at that time. And uh, one thing led to another, and um, I decided that the Presbyterian Church was a good place to begin my vocation as a minister, um, as an adult. 
You are now the pastor and head of staff of New Life Presbyterian Church in College Park, Georgia. Tell us about the church you serve. How, how would you describe the people and their heart for ministry? Yeah, we're a unique sort of community. Uh, we're only 25 years old, 26 this year, um, so we're young in church years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, we're a Presbyterian church, but I often like to say with an interdenominational feel mm-hmm. because we have people who used to be formerly Roman Catholic or Methodist and Baptist or Episcopalian all across the board, and we kind of all come together, um, and we make this community work, and we just uh, we learn about God together. We connect people uh, to one another, and we try to serve the community in any way that we can, and we're very involved in uh, what I like to call progressive theology and the movements of the spirit, while at the same time giving a lot of attention to social issues and the role that faith plays in the formation of our society. Now, you've actually served there for over four years, but this past March you were installed. Explain that. Yeah, March 2nd I was installed as uh, the permanent so-called <laughs> pastor of the church. And basically, um, in our tradition, you serve as for a designated period of time in some cases, which I did. Uh, and then after that designated period of time, the congregation has the opportunity to either call you for a long term um, or you choose to go and do something else vocationally. And um, the congregation and I discerned that it was good for us to continue to walk together. And um, so that's that's where we were. Before you were in the ministry, you were a sought-after poetic expressionist with a passion for public speaking across the country. Tell us about that creative outlet. Yeah, actually, I started out doing uh, reciting poetry for Congresswoman Corinne Brown, who mm-hmm. was a congresswoman in Florida. Um, and interestingly enough, I didn't I didn't want to the first time. Like, <laughs> they made me. Um, I learned this little poem at church uh, for Black History Month. And they asked me to recite it for the congresswoman at one of her meetings, and I was like, "Congress, who, what?" I didn't know what I was so young. I was like, "I don't, I won't do that." I cried uh, for the whole time before, and finally they got me to get up there and do it, and I did it. And it started uh, for the next really seven years. I recited poetry hmm. all over the country, um, in Washington, and all through Georgia and Florida and the East Coast, um, and basically I would take poems that have been written from some, by someone else and and uh, recite them and put them to uh, my interpretation. Mm-hmm. And now as a minister, you work to promote reconciliation and unity across ethnic, denominational, generational, and geographic lines. What are some of the ways you're doing that, and why is that important to you? Well, it's very important to me. I see myself as ecumenical, mm-hmm. um, and I see the diversity in the Christian community as something to celebrate. And so... Um, I try to uh, express that in my service to the church. Um, I participate in many different uh, pastoral groups that are made up of folks from various traditions, and we come together and we talk about different interpretations of Scripture. Um, I try to uh, be involved in uh, community events that involve Mm -hmm. multiple faiths and involve multiple denominations in the Christian tradition, and to show that um, we have more in common than what divides us and that we can really do good things uh, in the world when it is that we focus on uh, what it is that brings us together. Mm-hmm. And so um, I try to do that through uh, promotion of theology uh, that, you know, talks about reconciliation and racial reconciliation and culture reconciliation and class reconciliation. 
um, and try to do that also in our local church by modeling that by being an inclusive community. Well, for this second Sunday of Easter, your sermon is based on the gospel lesson from John chapter 20. Set the scene for us here before this text picks up. It's the day of resurrection, but what's what's been happening? Well, this is the climax of really all of Scripture, I would surmise. It's sort of the fulcrum that everything sort of spins on. Jesus has just been crucified, and um, it's it's a bad day. Um, as as the theologian Søren Kierkegaard likes to say, you know that this is this is when Good Friday uh, seems to have won. Um, and we all have those Good Friday moments in our life where it looks as though darkness and death um, has had the last word. And so the followers of Jesus who followed him for all these years now feel as though, you know, their hope is gone. They don't know where to turn because they watched their leader die on the cross rather unceremoniously. And so the Gospel of John chapter 20 picks up with, um, his dedicated followers, the women among them, coming to try to take care of his body. As we know, the Jews uh, basically uh, purified the body, and so uh, they were coming to uh, tend to the body in that way. Uh, but they realized the, that the body is gone, and that's where the story sort of picks up there. Mm-hmm. Would you read it for us? Sure. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who is called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the marks of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the marks of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Verse 28, Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen? Blessed are those who have not seen, yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. Billy, your sermon is entitled, How to Handle a Scandal. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. I'm so glad. like we live in an age of scandals. Sometimes it seems like every other day we're confronted on the TV or in the media with some public scandal. In the United States, our public conversation is often filled with celebrity gossip about who's going into who 
or who's coming out of rehab, which celebrities are sleeping with other celebrities, and so on. If that weren't enough, we hear stories about our elected officials in their private affairs, which also lead to conversations of more scandal. And if the rush of real-life political and celebrity scandal is not enough for us, many of us turn to the soaps and tune into sitcom television to get even more scandalous fictional drama. These realities leave me asking the question sometimes, what is our fascination with scandals? What is our fascination with the shocking or immoral things that people have done or are believed to have done? Personally, I've come to believe that our collective fascination with scandals has to do with how entertaining it is for us to watch when the dirt of someone else's life is uncovered. Fair or not, this is the world we live in, and most of us, if we're honest, are guilty. Given this reality, you'd think there'd be more conversation about teaching people how to handle scandals in their lives, be they great or small. In particular, you'd think that Christians and people of faith would be most invested in helping people deal with and move past dark, scandalous days in their lives. Unfortunately, too often, this is not the case. Sadly, some of our communities of faith often like to pretend as though no one among us has ever had to deal with the damage control situation in our lives. We like to give the appearance that our communities are made up of perfect people who live scandal-free and undamaged lives. However, my friends, if we're honest, our communities are actually filled with people who have had to deal with difficult situations that have threatened their very livelihood, reputation, dignity, and respect. Whether it is the scandal of a divorce, tax evasion, home foreclosure, bankruptcy, employment termination, unwed pregnancy, sexually transmitted disease, or some general failure in life, most of us will face situations in our private and public lives that require us to know how to handle our scandals. The good news is Jesus in the Gospel of John provides us with some help concerning how we might handle our scandal. In the Gospel of John, chapter 20, we enter the narrative on the day after Jesus' crucifixion, and there is a scandal developing in the text that will require some damage control. We're told that Mary and Mary Magdalene, two followers of Jesus, visit the tomb of Jesus and find, much to their surprise, that there is no body in the tomb. This sets the stage for a scandal in the text because these followers assume that the Lord's body has been stolen. Initially, for these followers, the empty tomb wasn't even a sign of the resurrection. It was a sign of a conspiracy. As it turns out, still to this day, there were those cynics and conspiracy theorists who say that the resurrection must have been a hoax. They say surely Jesus' body was taken in the night by his followers, and the Gospels are nothing more than literary cover-ups. Well, my friends, I say lovingly in response, I'm so glad that the story doesn't end with an empty tomb. In reality, it continues with a God who shows us how to deal with life's scandals and emerge victorious. In verses 11 through 17, while the women cry at the empty tomb, we realize that Jesus is in fact not dead. He is risen. According to the text, Jesus appears in the tomb and tells his followers that he is alive and awaiting his ascension to be with his heavenly father. In this powerful act of appearance, Jesus begins to address the looming scandal of the empty tomb and heal the damage of his crucifixion. And what I love about it is that he also shows us how to deal with some of the messiness in our own lives. 
Consider this truth. In the midst of the scandal of the crucifixion and the empty tomb, Jesus doesn't hide. He reveals himself, makes himself known to those who love him. You know, I understand that when you and I are going through our personal struggles and scandals, the temptation is to alienate ourselves and to try to hide from our trouble. During this time, we find ourselves only wanting to be with the selfish trinity of me, myself, and I. We find our worship attendance may be becoming sporadic. We find ourselves no longer wanting to fellowship with friends and family and becoming most distant from those we love. But my friends, though it may be beneficial during life's scandalous times to retreat for a season, at some point, the season of retreat must end and we must do as Jesus did. We must make ourselves visible. Indeed, we must make ourselves known and find the courage to open up to those who love us the most. For as long as we stay hidden, hear me, as long as we stay isolated, we give power to the enemy within. But when we find it in ourselves to move from the darkness to the light, we free ourselves to be examples of God's gracious restoration and redemption. We open up ourselves to the possibility of our test becoming a testimony and our scandal becoming a salvation story. Yes, my friends, Jesus chose to make himself visible, and in so doing, he gave hope to his seemingly hopeless followers, and he set in motion the beginnings of a movement that would give eternal hope to a searching world. But Jesus doesn't stop at making himself known. He continues to handle the scandal of the crucifixion and the empty tomb by engaging in the powerful act of telling his own story. In verses 19 through 23, Jesus appears to his disciples and shows them the wounds in his hand. In this act of vulnerability, Jesus allows his followers to find hope by sharing his story of pain and resurrection. Undoubtedly, there were many stories being told about Jesus' death. I'm sure there was the story that the disciples foolishly gave up so much to follow a man who died like such a failure. I'm sure there was also the story that Jesus didn't have the power and intimacy with God that he claimed or else he wouldn't have died the way that he did. I'm sure there was also the story that Jesus was no better than every other unsuccessful, self-professed Jewish Messiah. And I'm sure there was the story that the dead body of Jesus had been carried away, never to be seen again by those who loved him. Oh, but the beauty of the story is that Jesus overshadows all these stories with the simple act of telling his own story. By showing the wounds in his body, he told his story that he had experienced the pain of death, but yet he stood as a testament that death did not have the last word. He stood as a testament that death had been swallowed up in God's victory. My sisters and brothers, our redemption story, like Jesus' story, has the power to inspire if we choose to let it. Perhaps more powerful than the songs we sing, the scriptures we quote, or the sermons we preach is the story we tell about God's transformative work in our lives. Sometimes we try to bury and conceal the struggles and scandalous times in our lives because we're afraid of how others will view us. We create intricate cover-ups to hide our mess-ups, not realizing that God can show up when we fess up. What's worse is oftentimes our refusal to tell our own stories opens the door for others to tell our story for us. This can be dangerous. As my grandmother used to say, remember the gospel committee is always more interested in spreading the story 
than telling it right. However, when we tell our own stories of joy and pain, sunshine and rain, we create the opportunity for us to become wounded healers. So if you have a story of pain and divine perseverance, make up in your mind to tell it. If you survived something that you thought would take you out, tell it. If you've gone through hell and high water but you're still standing, tell it. If you got knocked on your back but God gave you a comeback, tell it. If you survived a scandal and outlived the rumors, tell it, because there's glory to be found in your story. Finally, in verse 21 through 23, Jesus tells his disciples, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. In other words, after making himself visible, telling his own story, Jesus takes the last step in handling the scandal of the empty tomb and starts to write a new chapter. At this point, the scandal has been handled and the mess has been addressed. The disciples have been empowered and given peace. The bereaved loved ones have been comforted and the resurrection has been verified. Now there's nothing left to do but start a new chapter by moving on with the work that God has ordained. So he tells his disciples, in effect, I did my job. Now it's your turn to do yours. One of the biggest mistakes one can make in life is to make a temporary dwelling place a long-term abiding place. No season of scandal or personal struggle should last forever. At some point, you've got to decide to turn the page and write a new chapter in your life. This reminds me of a conversation I once had with a friend of mine who is a writer. He told me that one of the most difficult things about writing a book is dealing with tough chapters. He said sometimes he'll spend days on one chapter that just won't seem to come together. So I asked him, what do you do when this happens? How do you overcome it? And he said simply, I just start a new chapter. So my friends, if we're ever going to overcome the dark days in our lives, if we're ever going to handle the scandals that come in life, if we're ever going to do what God has given us to do, we too will have to do as Jesus did. We'll have to make ourselves visible, tell our own stories, and then start a new chapter. Will you join me in prayer? Gracious God, God of all life, goodness, peace, joy, and love, we are so thankful that you love us and you cover us even in the difficult times in our lives. You enable us to find glory in some of our scandalous stories, and for that we are thankful. And so, O oh Lord, we pray for your continual abiding love to encourage us and nurture us and to push us along when needed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Attention church leaders, be inspired by God's word proclaimed by some of the nation's finest preachers and teachers at the 2014 Festival of Homiletics, May 19th through 23rd in Minneapolis, Minnesota. At the festival, you'll experience fellowship with more than a thousand fellow preachers. You'll learn and worship in an atmosphere that's dynamic, nurturing, and prophetic. So come, renew, refresh, and recharge your preaching skills and your spirit. For more information about this extraordinary conference, go to dayone.org and click on the link to the Festival of Homiletics.
now, Billy Honor offers some final thoughts on his message today with our host, Peter Wallace. Billy, our culture loves to follow scandals of every kind, celebrities, politicians, even fictional characters, and yet so often we don't get much help in dealing with and moving past the scandalous experiences in our own lives. For instance, you said communities of faith often like to pretend that we're all perfect people, but if we're honest, our churches are full of people who have had to deal with all sorts of problems and failures. Would you say more about why it's so important for people of faith to be honest about who we really are? I think one of the most powerful things that we can offer uh, to anyone in any faith community is the opportunity uh, to provide a space for them to be authentically who they are. Um, I think when we don't create spaces where people can uh, just bear who they are, what their cares are and their concerns are uh, before God, when we don't do that, I think it's it's actually uh, offensive uh, to to God and and who we're created to be, and so I think it's very important that we allow people and encourage people uh, to tell their stories, even if those stories involve painful times in their lives, even if they haven't overcome uh, what they're going through yet, even if they're in the midst of it, to encourage them and let them know that this is a safe space for you to be able to share that, and we want to help you uh, find a way that you can move on with your life. Uh, and be victorious. Jesus gives us some help in handling scandals because the crucifixion and the empty tomb were, in a sense, scandals. For one thing you said, Jesus doesn't hide. He reveals himself. He makes himself known to those who love him. Unlike most of us who would respond to scandals by hiding from others, better to find the courage to open up to those who love us most when we are wrestling with darkness, you said. That can be scary. It can, and it's not easy. I think it's in some ways probably a natural inclination to hide, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's what happens in Genesis, <laughs> the uh, the scandal of Adam and Eve and that sort of poetic story where they, they realize they're naked and then they, they hide themselves, right, or clothe themselves, another way of saying. And yet uh, they're called out by God and said, you got to come out and, and take responsibility for this. And mm-hmm. I think um, the power in it is that we have to have the courage to not be ruled by fear. Um, and know that uh, we have to have the faith uh, to speak up because the faith will lead to the freedom, that we we don't want to live in that type of bondage. Uh, It's better to be free and maybe lose some friends by sharing than it is to be in bondage and have a lot of friends. Jesus also engages in the powerful act of telling his own story by revealing his wounds to his disciples, inspiring them to great things. You said our redemption story also has the power to inspire others if we choose to let it. That creates the opportunity to become wounded healers ourselves. How can we keep this in mind as we go into the world to serve Jesus? I think that all of us, wherever we go, um, whoever we're called to minister to, should always remember that we're in process, that we are works in process, that uh, none of us are finished portraits, uh, that every day we wake up and open our eyes, we're continuing to be worked on, we're writing our own course, charting our own paths uh, with the grace of God. And I think if we remember that, then those that we encounter, we will find ourselves being more gracious too, knowing that they too are folks who are in process just like us, and that what we really can do is, is encourage one another along the way and, and, and build up one another. And, and we'll all hopefully get to where God requires us to be. Hmm. Billy Honor, thank you for being with us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Day One is the voice of America's mainline Protestant churches. Visit us online at dayone.org.
You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. on Jam Radio 2.1.
turn it off for sound.
Another example of complex design. Learn about it next on today's Creation Moments. And now, here's our Creation Moments host, Ian Taylor. Did you ever stand up a little too quickly and get dizzy? <laughs> it can happen because by standing, you may have temporarily lowered the blood pressure in your brain. Can you imagine what might happen when the giraffe swings its head from the ground to a treetop? 
The giraffe's heart and the rest of its cardiovascular system is very different from ours and most other creatures. The giraffe's heart pumps at twice the pressure expected for a creature of its size in order to get the blood all the way up that long neck. However, since the giraffe's brain is very sensitive to high blood pressure, there is a special structure that has been called the wonder net, where the blood supply enters the brain. Even if the giraffe quickly drops its head from treetop to ground level, the wonder net keeps the blood pressure in its head exactly where it should be. Furthermore, to prevent used blood from draining back into its brain when he lowers its head, the giraffe has a special set of one-way check valves in its neck. When we talk about our creator, we need not be afraid that some people will think we are talking about worthless things. Truly, the wonders that the creator has made are great and worthy to be told to people far and wide. For a free copy of our Creation Resource Catalog, visit our website at creationmoments.com or call us toll-free at 1-800-42-BIBLE. That's 1-800-422-4253. And be sure to join us next time for another Creation Moment, proclaiming evidence of God's truth. This is Ann Graham Lotz with Daily Light for Daily Living. All around us are broken homes, broken hearts, broken hopes. But God never intended us to be broken. He didn't just create us, plop us down on planet Earth, and say, Happy birthday, now you can guess your way through life. God as our creator has specific directions for our lives. Psalm 119.2 says, Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with a whole heart. If we live according to his directions, our lives work. We're blessed, and we experience life the way it was meant to be lived. If we ignore or reject his directions, we do so to our own detriment and experience much less than he intended. His directions form a pattern that prevents breakage of our lives to help mend the brokenness already present. Listen to me. Trust in his word, then follow his directions. Your life will work. This is Ann Graham Lotz. Six Ordinary Days. Does it really matter? Answers with Ken Ham, a speaker at the popular Answers in Genesis seminars. I've often heard Christians say something like, well, as long as we believe God created, it doesn't matter whether we believe he did it in six literal days or not. I actually get this question a lot, especially on radio talk show programs. Well, let me answer it this way. Why do we believe in the resurrection of Christ? Let's be honest, we haven't seen someone rise from the dead in our day. We believe it because of the words in the Bible. So if we accept the plain, straightforward words of the Bible in the book of Genesis, just as we do for the account of the resurrection, then it's obvious that God created everything in six literal days. We must let God speak to us through the language of Scripture. If we don't, then we undermine the entire Bible. Christians need to be careful in how we rightly divide the word of truth, as 2 Timothy 2.15 teaches us. One of the most popular programs inside our Creation Museum is our planetarium, and the very video shown there is now available to you for home viewing. We'll mail you a copy for a donation of any size. Call us 24 hours a day, toll-free, at 1-888-89-ANSWERS. Our nonprofit ministry can be reached at 888-89-ANSWERS, or get the Created Cosmos DVD through our website of AnswersOffer.org. Listen to Morning Inspirations on Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Eastern Time, right here. Have a good weekend. <laughs>
and God bless you, and many, many more. And I would like to say thank you all, those who posted on my Facebook page. Happy birthday, Green. Especially my cousin, Debbie. Especially my cousin, Debbie. Thank you, darling. Love you, love you, love you. We'll, well, and we're going to continue with CC Whining. We got to do some house cleaning. Get out, out of my house. Oh, 
Christ in the midst of a time. <laughs> no, all the Muslims and all the crew. Members of the end, they know for Jesus Christ. Lift them high. And not the earth of Christ. Bust the place. Bust the place. No, no, no. But yet. This song right here is dedicated to all my people that felt like giving up. And you didn't think people were going to make it. Thank you. 
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is Evangelist Bobby Baker broadcasting live on the Sunrise Broadcasting Network. Jesus loves you no matter who you are or what you've done. Today is the day of salvation. Come to Jesus today and be saved. He died on the cross and shed his blood that you might have everlasting life. It's not his will that any should perish, but that all should receive salvation and live with him forever and ever in heaven. Jesus wants you to be saved. He gave his life that you could be saved. He offers his salvation to everyone who comes into this world. No matter who you are, Jesus loves you. No matter what you've done, Jesus loves you. No matter what you will do in the future, Jesus loves you. He wants to save your soul. He says today is the day of salvation. We don't know when he's coming back to get his children. We don't know when this world is going to end. We don't know when we're going to take our last breath. But we do know all of these things will happen. Are you ready to face judgment? Are you ready to stand before a living God and answer for the things that you've done in your life? Are you sure of your eternal destination? Are you sure that you will go to heaven? If you have any doubts in your mind, today is the day to get those doubts out and know for sure where you're going when you leave this world. Everybody that comes into this world is going to leave this world. We're not going to stay here. Jesus Christ is coming back, and he's going to receive his children unto himself that they might be with him wherever he is, be with him forever in glory, not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus Christ has done. When he hung on the cross and shed his blood, he brought deliverance to everyone in the world if you'll only believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. In Jesus' name, amen. I've decided to follow Jesus. I've decided to follow Before me, but. 
Father, let me ask you, friends, in closing tonight, have you done this? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you come to that obedience of faith? Have you come to that place of true repentance and true faith? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? Are you trusting alone tonight in Jesus Christ for your salvation? For there is no other way, there is no other message. For there is no other way, there is no other message. Oh, come to him, come to the Saviour tonight. Come to him just as you are. Come to him in your sin. Come to him in all your needs. And cast yourself upon his mercy and upon his infinite grace. Cast yourself upon his mercy and upon his infinite grace. Cast yourself wholly to him. And you too will enter into that joy of sins forgiven, peace with God, and eternal, abundant life through Jesus Christ our Lord. How can I say thanks for the things you have done for me? Things so undeserved. You gave your very life for me. The voices of a million angels could not. All that I am and ever hope to be, to give it all to Thee, to God be the glory, to God.
Well, that's going to do it for truly. Until Friday, the Lord says so, the creek don't rise. We'll see you then. God bless you. Have a wonderful and blessed day. And uh, thank you all for those of you Facebook for those birthday greetings. I appreciate that.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.